Welcome to the Association Corner, a podcast series focusing on insights and trends for association professionals by association professionals. Hello, and welcome to Multiview's podcast series. I'm your host, Nancy Rosenbaum, Vice President of Strategic Partnerships here at Multiview. And we are based in the Washington, D.C. area. Joining me today is Richard Yep, CEO of American Counseling Association. Rich is a certified association executive and a fellow at American Society of Association Executives. Welcome, Richard. Thanks, Nancy. I appreciate the opportunity to be with you today. Well, we love having you, Rich, and and thank you. Um, Richard and American Counseling Association is a partner with Multiview for four years. So we thought it would be a great idea to get Richard online with the podcast series and talk a little bit about what's going on in our country. Richard is CEO to 57,000 member professional organizations, counselors, educators, and students. The ACA is one of the largest membership organizations of professional counselors in the world. And he has been at ACA for 31 years. And as he closes his tenure, it will be 32 years next June of 22. He completed his undergraduate and graduate work in California before coming east. So, Richard, you weren't always in the counseling business. I see you started off in government relations. Tell us a little bit about what brought you to the D.C. area and why you found a home at American Counseling. Sure. So, you know, after I um, got out of college and I worked at some storefront human service agencies, uh, specifically one that that serviced uh, Navajo and Hopi populations in northern Arizona. I then went on to work in programs that served disadvantaged high school students who were first generation going to college. But then I also started to realize that there was a whole other aspect to these programs that I was providing direct services in, and it really had to do with the public policy end of things. And so it, that led me to the University of Southern California, where I received my master's in public administration. And part of that program was that I had to do a stint in local, state, and um, federal government. And since the heart of federal government is in D.C., I I headed east. And, you know, I I worked on a lot of different issues for um, the member of Congress that was my boss. And and one day, a colleague of mine just said, hey, uh, the American Counseling Association was looking for a, a legislative advocate. And I knew I really wanted to focus on education, human service type issues. So I was passionate about the issues. I interviewed and I was really fortunate to get the job. And I, I did that for about six years. And then I realized that in order to maybe move up in association management, that I really needed more experience that I just I wasn't able to get at that point at ACA. And so I moved to the National Association of School Psychologists as their deputy director for about three years. And then ACA called me back and asked if I might be interested in in coming back and and joining the C-suite. So I did. And as you noted, I've been the CEO now for a really long time, for about 23 years. And, you know, the issues that we work on and the resources that we produce for the the counseling profession mean so much to me because of the work that our members do for so many, literally millions of clients and students every day. And I, I love that. I love that you've taken your passion and it's led you to ACA, where you've really been able to cultivate 
a good culture over there? What is the best thing about working at ACA? Well, Nancy, I'm going to cheat. I have two best things. One <laughs> is uh, knowing that we help to make counselors better at what they do for those that they serve. In other words, it's our way of like impacting society in what I think is a positive way. And the other best thing is the incredible staff that that I have worked with over the years. And just as society and the counseling profession have evolved, so have those who come to work at, at ACA. And I'm I'm constantly amazed at their creativity and their diligence and the work they put into the projects that we we focus on. We're so fortunate to have organizations like ACA, especially now. And, um, and we can't do it without an organization like yours because of what's happening in our country and what's happening in schools and what's happening in the workforce. Um, so today, I really wanted to talk with you a little bit and have that conversation about mental health and well-being. Most would, would say right now that as a country, we are not okay. And that as we end or go towards the end of this post-pandemic world that we've been living in, we've been facing a variety of factors that have contributed to what is now a mental health crisis. What are your thoughts on this current frame of mind in our country? Well, you know, our nation clearly has gone through so much, um, just even in the past four or five years, you know, political upheaval, increasing awareness of racial injustice, the pandemic, of course, um, weaponizing vaccinations of all things, and, you know, growing concern with climate issues. And, you know, how the world of work itself has permanently changed. You know, the the fact that our association, we've been working, you know, from home for like 609 days, but who's counting? Um, but that will be a significant change that we're going to, you know, deal with for a long time. And, you know, I'd say that on one hand, the country faces some of its greatest challenges ever. And the fact is that many people are resilient, but there are millions of other people who are just not equipped to deal with the impact of, of the issues that I just mentioned, as well as a bunch of other things that have been going on. So I think that, you know, the need for mental health professionals has never really been greater than it is now. And whether those are counselors who work in schools or career development or community and mental health centers or private practice, we need to ensure that people have access to affordable services so that they can face life's challenges. I couldn't agree more. I mean, having two high schoolers myself, you know, I'm always checking in with them. I'm always just watching, observing, uh, listening, and making sure that they're okay. Because the transition, uh, whether you are at school or whether you're at a job, or maybe you don't have a job because of the pandemic, you know, it, it can be taxing and it can make life very difficult. And and life is hard anyways, you know, every day, you know, traffic and little things build up. Um, so it doesn't surprise me at all that, you know, this is where we've been um, headed in this pandemic. I wanted to bring up the poll again of a survey that was conducted by one of our affiliate companies, the Harris Poll. And mental health is ranking as a top 20 global challenge and a top 10 in the U.S. It doesn't surprise me. Does this surprise you? Uh in terms of the number of people who have identified that, um, I'm not sure why it would be that much of a surprise, to be mm -hmm. quite honest. And sometimes mm -hmm. I think that surprise is not more. 
Right. It's above climate change, which I think would really surprise me when this poll came out, um, because the conversation is turning towards a mental health um, well-being and how are we going to move ahead? You know, what tools are we going to use? And and we're going to talk a little bit about the tools and um, the programs that ACA has, um, you know, to just not only the provider, but the recipient. So, um, but yes, I, I wasn't surprised. Um, affordable health care, uh, pollution, gun violence of all things. Um, it does rank higher than that globally. So I'm going to read a few more stats here. 69% of responses reported that the pandemic intensified and complicated the mental health crisis, leading CEOs to redefine their support and approach to staff. And that 48% of companies do not offer mental health services. How can we change this? Well, I think, you know, we can actually, in this case, take a lesson from Congress, believe it or not. And that is that mental health needs to be on parity with physical health. You know, the fact of the matter is that when somebody is having a, a challenge with their mental health, they need services. So we can't just relegate it to an add-on in, in health care programs. It has to be part and parcel of it. You know, you have to treat the, the whole person, and that includes their mental health as well as their physical health. Mm-hmm. And following up on that, what specific programs and initiatives and ideas um, will yourself and then ACA carry through the rest of this year? Right. Well, certainly something that came out of the pandemic was that um, those who helped clients and students face-to-face could no longer do that, right? So we had to immediately look at how best to provide services to our members who weren't quite as adept at at doing telehealth. So we did offer a fair number of CEs, continuing education courses for them to learn how to do it. And then ACA felt so strongly that we made those available to all mental health professionals, not just our members, and we made it available for free. And um, we did have 32,000 people sign up for for those courses. Um, And they were, like I said, they were free and they were really more like a public service in a way to the mental health profession. Uh, The other thing is we are working um, with the various states because when they went into a lockdown, what was created were these emergency declarations that would allow counselors to practice using telehealth. So we've continued to look at as those states, as those emergency declarations are starting to expire to go in and, and make them permanent. The other thing we find is that with telehealth, you could be in the state of Virginia, but you have a client in Maryland. And then the question is, well, are you allowed to treat them? So what we have initiated is a counseling compact where every state who wants to can participate and it allow it will allow those counselors who are licensed in a certain state like Virginia to go in and practice in Maryland. So um, the counseling compact has moved pretty quickly. And so I think that in 2022, we will have Uh, enough states signed up where it'll really start to be viable. The other thing, and going back to um, the growing acceptance, not only of mental health, but of telehealth, the fact of the matter is that telehealth allows you not to have to get in the car, drive to some community center or some private practice, and you can do it in the comfort of your own home. You know, there are a lot of people who still feel that there's a certain stigma affiliated with 
with mental health issues. And, you know, we want to do whatever we can to break that stigma. And we also want to make services available however a client may want them. So we're going to continue to do that. We're also looking at how to ensure that Medicare beneficiaries have access to the services of licensed professional counselors. And that's a, a bill we're working on uh, up on the Hill right now. And, and going back to that um, telehealth, you know, I, I have a counselor and I, it actually made it a little easier for me, you know, because it was, I didn't have to take extra time and, you know, I didn't want to go into any hospital facility or any office or really see anyone at all <laughs> at some point, you know, you know, back in the thick of it, you didn't want to go out. You didn't, you wanted to, you know, stay home and stay safe. Um, but the practice has continued. Are you, uh, I love it. I love the fact that you don't have to go in anymore. It's actually allowed a lot of providers to come through, not just obviously um, mental health providers, but all kinds of providers. But I, I have noticed firsthand uh, with my daughter that we were having trouble crossing lines from Maryland to Virginia. Um, so are you seeing that internationally as well? I, I've noticed a lot of providers maybe move to a safer spot during the pandemic. Uh, maybe they went to, you know, an island or maybe they were, you know, going to warmer places. Did you see that challenge internationally? Um, you know, it's interesting because we do have international members, you know, those who live outside of the U.S. And, um they are also experiencing some of the same things that we're experiencing in this country. There probably aren't as many of our members here in the States who moved abroad um, who, who want to continue to practice, although um, telehealth would certainly allow that. So it goes back to my whole thing about access. However you can access a mental health provider that makes you comfortable is what we ought to be able to provide. And we shouldn't be um, prevented from doing that because mm -hmm. of antiquated laws. You know, the other thing is obviously bandwidth has improved so much just even in the last five years that Correct. our yeah. members are able to, to practice mm -hmm. in this method. And, you know, there's a lot of things that mental health professionals try to look at with their clients in terms of, well, what does their face look like? Are they making certain gestures? You know, things like that. Mm -hmm. And do you, do you, are they grasping their hands? You know, right, right, right. Your hands in a fist. <laughs> and, Not that I'm yeah. an angry person, but I, I feel like I do that a lot. <laughs> but Welcome yeah, I the think club. the nonverbals, obviously the nonverbals in a counseling session are are key. Um, but personally, I didn't feel like it, it hindered me too much. But but for your staff, let's talk a little bit about your staff. Did they feel overworked? Um, were, were, did they have anxiety? Were they worried about getting to the right people? Or were they, um, some of your members, were they worried that people weren't going to use their services at a time when they really needed them? Well, I think that initial sort of challenge is whether or not there is a stigma associated with checking in with somebody who can help you navigate through, you know, life's challenges. But then once that sort of falls away, then it's like, okay, well, what are my options here? And it's just like you said, Nancy, like, I don't want to have to get up. I don't have to get dressed and get in the car and battle the traffic. Well, okay. We, that barrier has been broken as well. Um, the concern that I have, and I'm just speaking for my, you know, 62 staff is that, um, 
because their laptop is on their dining room table, that after dinner, it's really easy to push the plate across the way and start working again. And I've tried to instill in them the importance of um, you got to you got to end the day. Right. Or because we're working from home, if you want to go for a long walk at lunchtime, go for it. You know, as long as you're getting your work done. And I have to tell you, I, I do have an incredibly hardworking staff and they really did get everything done. But then I worry that they got they were just doing too much. It's almost like, OK, five o'clock, throw a blanket over your computer and walk away. Right. Mm-hmm. Right. And we all we all have to tune out and tune off. And um, I had done an earlier segment um, with a woman who does sound bath and we were talking about wellness. We were just talking about general wellness. You know, it doesn't have to be a yoga mat. It doesn't have to be sitting on a yoga ball. Sometimes it's stillness. And and sometimes it's just taking care of yourself, like turning off your computer at night and giving yourself that mental break Uh, for all the association professionals listening in, uh, whether they be a a mechanical association or, or what have you, what are some of the things that they can do to help monitor or provide support to their members to help ensure that they are taking care of themselves? Programs well, or just any ideas that you might have? Sure. I mean, one of the things that I would say to a lot of my colleagues, you know, in the association industry is that, you know, we're used to being people who can solve things. But the pro- the the real challenge is, is that sometimes you can't, as a CEO or as somebody in the C-suite, you can't solve everything. So you've got to listen. You've got to find out what really, um, where is that problem that my employee is having? Where is it coming from? Where is that space? And then consult with other colleagues to find out what some of us have been doing. And, you know, it goes beyond just I mean, EAPs are very important, the employee assistance programs that a number of us have. But it's also important to understand that, you know, there's a lot going on with staff who are working from home, whether they're taking care of kids or they live by themselves and they're isolated. You have to be open to what effective mental health practices might be. And just like you said, Nancy, it could be just some mindfulness exercises or, you know, how many of us are maybe getting a little tired of those Zoom social hours, but they are important. They really are. And I love them. I actually am hosting one shortly um, because what I find fascinating about what's happening is you actually are reaching out past your immediate group of people, too. You're able to pull in people from all over the country. Um, So we're going to keep those up. That's a nice thing that's able to stay. Um, But I'm I'm definitely zoomed out in some other ways. (laughs) Um, But I like what you're saying. And I, I love what you're saying about a CEO and general leadership, really listening in on what's happening, like I do with my high schooler, you know, listening and watching and and making sure that there isn't um, some struggle going on because we really never know what's going on with anyone um, behind the scenes or behind, you know, pull the curtain back. Um, So I like that. I like that, you know, to stay in tune with your staff seems to be um, an important takeaway. Um, And let's talk a little bit as we wrap up about the resources that ACA offers. I know on your website, you offer a variety of free resources. Can you talk a little bit about those? Sure. Um, Whenever there is um, a situation that involves some type of trauma um, in in the country or wherever, we want to make sure that we have resources on our site that not just professional counselors can go to, but the public can also access. 
So if, for example, there is, you know, another unfortunate shooting in your area or whatever, um, we want to be able to make sure that people could come to our site and, and, you know, search for those terms and find that there are resources there. You know, we're not into claiming um, that we are the end all and the be all. We would rather have different links to different sites as well, because we realize that, you know, we're a community of mental health providers and we need to access each other's information and materials with proper credit, of course, all that other stuff. But it's just really important to have that kind of stuff on, on the website. And then, you know, once a year we do a counseling awareness month um, program that, that happens in April every year. And that really is to have our members toot their horn a little bit and tell their communities, this is what I do for all of you, whether you're a parent or you're a teacher or you're a, you know, just a, a person who's having some challenges. So we, we want to make sure that the public understands, first of all, the importance of mental health. Second of all, who you can go to for mental health services. And it doesn't have to be a professional counselor. There are a lot of qualified mental health providers, but um, we do try to make sure that people know what those differences are and the different types of providers. And we have that on our site as well. And that's great advice. And uh, we will send out some information uh, later, but if you are listening, uh, you'd be going to counseling.org where all of those resources are. And Richard, I just want to thank you so much for talking with us a little bit. I wish we had more time. I know this is a big, heavy topic at times, um, but I like what you said about all of this, the telehealth and um, what the staff can do and and getting to know you a little bit. So thank you so much. We're very excited to hear more about you and what ACA has down the road. And if anyone uh, has questions for us, again, make sure that you reach out to Nancy Rosenbaum at um, N. Rosenbaum at multiview.com for any other questions um, for Richard. So thank you. And um, we appreciate you joining us. Thanks, Nancy. 